Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to See Westworld Right. Hey, it's Stephen Ray Morris coming to you live from my car. Uh, I actually am recording this one in my car, self-quarantining. You know how it works these days. This is the new normal, but whatever makes us safer, I will do. I don't know why I'm why I'm getting all dramatic like that, but <laughs> it's because we're talking about the Westworld season three premiere. I'm so excited to finally get into these weekly recaps. Did you watch the premiere last night? What did you think? What did I think? <laughs> uh, let's get into it. It's season. So one thing to know about Westworld season three is that it's taking place, quote unquote, in the real world. I say, quote unquote, because you don't know what you don't know what Dolores is up to. You don't know what the what everything, you know, what Dallas is up to. And it's interesting this for I mean, my my biggest comment about Westworld season three's premiere, the first episode Parse domine. It's, I looked it up. Oh, that was my keys. I looked up what the meaning of parse domine is, the title of the episode. Let's see. 
it's it's uh, part of a Catholic, it's a Latin hymn church thing from the Bible. Spare, Lord, your people, be not angry with us forever, which I think is very evocative and spooky, considering Dolores is now free to... N- Dolores has gone full Dexter, full Jigsaw. We don't know what she's planning, but humanity better watch out. Uh, and I'm not going to fully like, you know, re like recap the story from, from beginning to end of the episode. Oh, I, what the point I was trying to make was that I appreciate the show easing us into the real world. I think the creators, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, I think they got the note about season two and the tiny whiminess of it in a way that is, that was a little bit more opaque. I think they're with Aaron Paul's character, Caleb, being a kind of trying to get back into, you know, he's, he's been in some trouble, former military dealing with some PTSD. He's trying to get on the straight and narrow. And I think by following the story through his eyes, you, you know, obviously Dolores and Thandie Newton are still our heroes, but, uh, and, and Jeffrey Wright, um, Jeffrey Wright's Bernard. But I think in a way they're using kind of this sort of, um, grunt, quote unquote, you know, uh, Caleb's a construction worker, having his perspective on the story, on Dolores's story so far, I think is, it's going to provide a good contrast to, to, I think, make Dolores more likable again, to make her journey more relatable. Uh, because I, I mean, that's the point is that we are rooting for Dolores, man. Humanity sucks. No, that's not true. But I can kind of see the mechanisms happening already with what they're trying to do for the show. So essentially it's, I believe three months after the events of Westworld and it's, and there's some, some fallen kingdom parallels there with, you know, seeing the news of the incident and everything and all the investors and people who believed in the company are scrambling. And that's where you start to see Dolores's plan coming in. Um, again, obviously I'm just going to be this whole thing. Every, every recap is going to be spoilers. Uh, I'll just say it out loud. And the show opens with her basically taking care of, again, that, that's why I say Jigsaw. That's why I say Dexter, because it's like all the, ba- all the bad behavior that people did in the park. It's that sort of like pay for your sins kind of thing or like your depravity. Because, you know, ultimately, I mean, it's just that thing. It's like they were hurting the hosts, but they, the host didn't know it. But now that it's like, but if you know, I mean, that was the whole point of the first and second season. It's like, yeah, but if you know that hosts can become sentient and you're still okay, I mean, it, it's totally a metaphor for just like how we are okay with, you know, types of slave labor and all the kind of things that go into making our phones, go into getting our shrimp, whatever. And it's like, yeah, we, we sort of justify all that behavior because we're like, it's this kind of far removed thing. So Dolores is kind of coming in full warrior and being like, you know, here's what you did while you were in, in the park, you sick fuck. And so she takes out um, an investor because also too, it's that idea that, uh, I think what they're saying is that just because you do these, I mean, and again, that was the, like the main conflict between Logan and William, aka who becomes the man in black in the first season. It's like, and again, it's a metaphor, I think, for the internet. It's like, just because you, uh, you think that these two things are separate, but honestly, it's more of a reflection of who you, who you really are. And, and so I think that, that by having, 
this in the opening act, you Dolores is basically she uses all the technology to shut down this rich dude's house and kills him. And which is pretty brutal. I mean, to have him to, he thinks he's going to take her out with a golf club and then she like disappears essentially. And then he falls into a pool and hits his head and drowns because his hands are tied. Uh, it's pretty gruesome. And, but it's that thing of like, uh, she points out to him that he was like this way in the park, like depraved, but then he's like that in real life where he, he basically negligently kills his wife. Um, I mean, he's an abuser and stuff like that, but so, yeah, so it's, it kind of has this dynamic of a kind of uh, jigsaw or like a Dexter kind of thing that Dolores has, which it's funny because in my notes of like my hopes for season three, I was hoping Dolores would have a little bit more fun again. And already off the top, you get, I mean, she goes swimming and it's like, Oh, this is the first time I've gone swimming, you know, uh, which I thought was pretty great. And yeah, so and then most of the episode, we were basically, most of the episode splits time between Dolores and then uh, Caleb, uh, Aaron Paul's character. And it's so interesting because, and I'm doing the, I'm doing the note-taking thing again for season three. It's interesting. He's like, he's basically using like a Grand Theft Auto app, but it's real life. It's basically like a, he's a, in during the day, he's a construction worker, but at night, he's basically a criminal freelancer. I believe the name of the app is called Rico or something like that. But yeah, in the future of Westworld, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I watched an interview with Jonathan Olin and Lisa Joy, and they're like, the future is not going to be some crazy abstract thing. It's it's the year uh, 2058. It's Los Angeles. It's funny. I'm actually looking at downtown LA right now uh, from, I'm at the observatory right now. The observatory itself is closed. I'm just sitting in the parking lot, but, uh, <laughs> but essentially they basically took Singapore or some other city in Southeast Asia and then like grafted LA into it. Cause that's basically what LA is going to look like in the year 2058. And everything just looks like a modern art museum essentially is the point. But yeah, so, so Caleb kind of lives this dual life. And over the course of the episode, you're hearing this person, Francis trying to get a hold of him. And you kind of start to see flashbacks of his time during, during some war I mean, Aaron Paul's character, Caleb, what? He's in his 30s. So what war were we doing in... Oh, somebody's car alarm went off. Uh, <laughs> what war were we doing in 2040 or something like that? But essentially, we're seeing the future through his eyes. We're seeing all the sort of functional things. We're seeing robots, construction workers. And again, it's... I, I appreciate also, too... I mean, maybe there's more... We're going to uncover more about his time in war and that time of war in the show. But again, I think that this episode truly is trying to lay things out in a way because I, I think it actually is funny because I was uh, Scott Weinberg, the film critic was talking about whether or not he wanted to binge this season or not. And a lot of people were responding in the comments that the first season worked really well from week to week because like in my, and if you haven't listened to the season two recap yet, go back and listen to that. Uh, cause it's mostly, I guess, comparing season one to season two, but th th some people in the comments are having this observation of like season one was easier to watch from week to week because 
it, it was easier to comprehend what was actually going on in each episode that you kind of ruminated on it. And it spent more time evenly between all the different, between all the different storylines. Whereas season two, as I talked about, kind of like Game of Thrones later seasons would maybe only spend time on one or two characters per episode. And so it kind of became harder to keep track of things. And so I really appreciate right now that for the most part, it's the season one, the season three opener is much more like season one where you are splitting time between Dolores, Caleb, and, uh, Bernard in the first season, or in the, in this opener, but really only Bernard very briefly. And we really don't get, uh, Maeve's appearance until the very end of the episode. But, and, but, so I, I mean, I'll touch on, on Bernard very briefly because he doesn't have a lot to do in this episode. It was so funny. They, they, they definitely frame it in a way that's like, oh, he's become a farmer of a slaughterhouse and he's on the run and you can, you know, there's already warrants out for, for Bernard's uh, arrest, but he goes by the name of Armand and, and he's like, you know, shaved head, beard, like literally for farmer overalls. Basically, Bernard's trying to lay low right now. Again, I'm jumping around here a little bit, kind of focusing on each storyline at a time. But essentially, the the thrust of uh, Bernard's story in the first episode is he's trying to lay low. But of course, people recognize him. I mean, come on, Bernard, you just grew a beard like it's you're not doing that good a job of hiding. The thing that's interesting to me in the episode is he's constantly self-diagnosing to make sure that Dolores hasn't. I mean, after what happened to him in season two, where all these different were between Dolores and the ghost of Ford, I too wouldn't trust what's going on in my own brain. He's still coming to terms with what happened and him realizing that he was a robot the whole time or, you know, that he was a host. And so he's constantly self-diagnosing to try and make sure that he's no longer being affected by all these other characters, that he's his own man and that he can do whatever he wants. But of course he can't, he can't, I mean, people are just going to recognize him. And so he gets attacked by some other people in the factory. And then I'm curious to, to know what people think of the thing that he has in his hand. It's like, um, it's like, it's just like a little red button. It's almost like the staples button for like office supplies. But when he presses it, he's basically, he goes ham and just fucking straight up murders the two people who are trying to bring him in for the cash reward. Uh, Delos is most wanted, but what I think it is, is that maybe he's installed an inhibitor chip back into his system so he can't hurt humans. But once, when he presses that button, it turns it off and he's all, I could see Bernard doing that of like, my baseline is I don't want to hurt people, but if I have to, I will. And again, especially of him realizing each person that he hurt, uh, under Ford's control, I, th- that makes a lot of sense to me. And so that's basically the thrust of his storyline in, in, uh, in this first episode. And what Dolores is doing, again, Dolores has become this sort of super villain, superhero spy. I mean, I wrote down in my notes, Bond, Dolores Bond. I mean, she literally is spying and going on spying missions. And she's basically cozying up to this new company, the Biosyn, if you will, to Delos's InGen. <laughs> she's cozying up to the son of the, of the, of the company owner who like, like the guy says in the episode, I don't know the actor's name off the top of my head. Hopefully I'll learn it for next episode. Um, you can't learn everybody's names in the first, in the first, you know, first episode, but this, um, Paul Russ looking motherfucker, 
uh, is basically a figurehead because this machine, this sort of AI government planning machine or whatever called the, um, I don't know the exact name. I wrote the Rebobobbin, Rebobobbin or whatever. It basically looks like, you know, it, it's, it's 2000, you know, I can't do that, Dave. Like it's 2001 A Space Odyssey. A giant AI machine. It design wise, it's very reminiscent to the cradle and the forge. The, those two locations in the second season that were the location of the host backup and the human and the human uh, data and everything like that. So it probably has something to do with that. And Dolores is trying to trying to use something from from insight this company. That's why she's cozying up to the current CEO. But things take a turn when his bodyguard crew basically discovers that Dolores isn't who she, who she says she is because it's, you know, you're working for this, you're the head of this company. You're going to have people watching your back all the time to make sure people, you know, I think they say, is she just a grifter trying to get money from him? They don't know who Dolores really is basically. And so that sets it up perfectly for when she goes, hey, like they're basically going, it's funny. It's it just speaks a lot to, where we are now, where even in 2058, MacArthur Park is still like the park in LA to dump bodies. And so they're basically going to just murder Dolores and then make it look like, you know, she was a drug addict and just drowned or something like that. Basically, they're just protecting Liam is his name. They're protecting Liam from Dolores. But then, of course, it's all a root because that's the thing. It's like in essentially the episode goes where I thought it was going to go. But based on the previews, but basically I was like, Dolores can't be defeated that easily. She's drugged. And then, but it's funny, they're like trying to drug her, but then she's like not reacting to it. And then, yeah, she just takes them all out in, in the, in the car and stuff and like run. It's pretty, the way that the scene is shot, it's funny because Brennan just got a new car recently that has a backup camera. And so the, to me, that was probably the best action moment of the episode is when she's stabbing and shooting people and it's all in one take where she, she's in the car trapped attacks people like the raid style goes out of the car shoots people who are trying to take off goes back in the car there's somebody behind the car and she uses the back you, you us the viewer looks into the backup camera as she runs over them and then runs back over them again it's it's really cool it's a really cool action sequence and yeah and so i was like okay dolores is under control she's got she's got something up her sleeve but of course, through it all, and that's the other thing too, is it's, it feels like it's going to be Dolores going like full invasion of the body snatchers because we know she already, we, we know she already did something with, uh, she killed, well, Bernard killed Charlotte Hale, Tessa Thompson's character in season two. And then Dolores somehow is using the, somebody's mind is in the host or somebody's mind is in, uh, Charlotte's host body, uh, but we don't know who that is yet. And in this first season, in this, in this first, um, not first season, in this first episode, somebody is Charlotte. You know, she, you see the company meeting where everyone's like, dude, we need to fucking drop Westworld from, from our, we need to cut that, uh, bit of, you know, our company off and everything. And she's like, no, there's so much more to, to Westworld and to the d- stuff that we developed there. And she's basically the head of the company. And it's funny because we didn't see, we don't know what happened to the man in black other than, you know, the twist at the end where maybe the man in black is a host, 
but we don't know the details of all that stuff yet. But in his place, while he's quote unquote recovering is an algorithm that is, I guess, supposed to be like a represent, a representative of him. And I love that idea so much. That's such a cheeky kind of like, fuck you to like Hollywood. Ex- I mean, literally in the year, uh, what last year they were, so Warner Brothers was going to use an algorithm to determine which movies to green light. Yes or no. I mean, there's the Futurama episode with the, um, the execubots. And so the idea that executives of companies can have an algorithm sort of just speak for them, that it's almost like, I trust this algorithm to make decisions that I would make. I, I don't know that as far as that in the, the tran- transforming dress that Dolores wears to me are like the two bits of future that I think are so perfectly absurd, satirical, but also very real. Ugh, it was so well done. But yeah, so somebody is, somebody's inside Charlotte, one of the hosts that, uh, Dolores rescued at the end of season two. She made out with five pearls, five host brains. So one of those people is inside Charlotte, but we don't know who yet. And so her story is mostly just, I think they're just sort of establishing that she, that there's this, that the, basically the person who runs Delos is a host at this point now and is going to, you know, there's going to be machinations in, in part of Dolores's machinations. But so as, as far as the episode finally coming to a close, also, I like the, you learn that to, to bring Dolores and Caleb's stories together, which is how the episode ends. You, you learn that Francis was Caleb's war buddy, his partner in war. I don't know what you call that, but who basically died on the battlefield. And it almost seems to be like a new form of therapy is like, to help him get over his PTSD is like the voice of your lost partner and is trying to talk to you about it. I don't know. It seems very weird to me personally, but you know, it's, it's working through that trauma and, oh yeah, we were also introduced to Lena Waithe's, I think that's how you say her name, Lena Waithe's character. She was in Ready Player One and a couple other really good movies. Um, she seems to be working as part of this freelancer, this freelancer criminal network, but uh, gosh, I wonder what their benefits are like, but we, we didn't, we just got a, a taste of her character. I don't know where they're going to go with her, but she looks super cool. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see more from her, but yeah. So as Caleb and Dolores' stories converge, Caleb, it's revealed that again, his partner Francis died during the war, but he's trying to get through this trauma by, uh, talking to this thing, but it doesn't seem to be working. And Dolores, although she is victorious, in the sense that she gets rid of all her enemies and she kills the, bo- the, the main bodyguard that was, you know, tried to kill her. And she has replaced him with a host replica. Again, invasion of the body snatcher style. She's still injured to a certain extent, or she's at least pretending or, you know, and then she basically kind of falls into Caleb's lap and Caleb is going to take care of her. And, this to me, cause it was like, there's no way Dolores could just be defeated so easily. That would be so un- unrealistic. But the way Evan Rachel would, and again, I feel bad for saying that like her character was sort of unlikable or this, that, or the other in season two. But I think having, um, this kind of setup where it's almost like Caleb has, he's totally in over his head. I could just see that he's about to think he's helping Dolores and stuff like that. But really, it's almost this idea. It's very Congo-like in the sense that if you're, if you've seen Congo or read the book, well, I guess it's not really in the book, but in the movie version, uh, Laura Linney 
Laura Linney's mission to go get the diamonds and the satellite and all that stuff is way more important, quote unquote, more important than Elliot Ross's mission to bring Amy back to the jungle, the gorilla. But Laura, uh, Laura Linney's character, Karen Ross is basically using, uh, Elliot, uh, Elliot's mission as a smokescreen for some larger purpose that Elliot, he, he thinks he's the important thing. And Joe Pentaleano is so great in that movie where he's like, all right, be the asshole. But really it's what Karen Ross was up to, which was, which was the more, which was the kind of bigger picture mission going on. But Elliot didn't have, wasn't privy to that. And I can almost kind of see this Congo like dynamic happening where maybe in future episodes, Caleb is like, I'm going to protect you and and it's about this. And it actually Dolores has this whole other game plan happening. So that's kind of where the episode ends. Dolores in Caleb's arms, quote unquote, helpless. But I, th- I think Dolores has got some bigger plans in mind. And then as the credits rolled, we finally got a peek at what Maeve has been up to. And she's back to life for some reason. And oh, I did forget the very end of Bernard's story is that he is supposedly trying to head back to Westworld to get Maeve, but I, I, that might have been in the trail, the sneak peek for next week. But at least the part where he gets on the boat to go back to Westworld is in the episode. But then the post credit scene is Maeve wakes up and she's got a gun in her hand. She's beautifully styled like a World War II dame. Like, I'm going to I'm going to shoot you and take out some Nazis. And uh, well, hopefully she's not on the Nazi side, because as she she kind of comes to memento style and she's got a gun, her hands are bruised and she's got there's men dead on the floor and a guy's tied up and she looks out the window and it looks like it's Nazi occupied Italy or not Italy, I guess, because Italy was Mussolini. Um, so apologies, my World War Two heads here for getting all this stuff jumbled around. But she basically opens the window and it's fully World War II Nazi flag hanging down the, the Nazi symbol hanging down the side of the building. And then it just, it's like, what? You know, so, uh, I believe from spoilers, but I believe from just comments that Lisa, uh, that Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan have said is that this is the sort of World War II land. So apparently Westworld, the other, cause if we learned, I believe in either at the end of season one or season two, that there were six Westworld parks. And in season one and two, we saw Westworld, we saw Shogun World and the Raj. And now we're getting a look at World War II land or War World or whatever. But is this park still operational? Is this three months prior uh, before the... Because again, Dolores, Bernard, and Caleb's stories are all three months, and Charlotte, or quote unquote Charlotte's stories are all seemingly taking place three months after the disaster at Westworld. But is Maeve waking up in Warworld then or now? Or what is this? Is the real world a whole nother Westworld? Cause there's a whole part in the, where like some rich white assholes are like, it's just a simulation on top of a simulation, man. 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. That's it for now. Let's, how long has this been going? Uh, <laughs> oh wow, this has been very long. Thank you all for, for patiently sitting here with me while I, and look, we're all in this together at this point. We're all hopefully self-isolating, self-quarantining, staying healthy, taking care of each other. I'm excited to be watching Westworld season three with all of you over the next well, there's only seven episodes left, so this is a very quick season, but I'm excited about that. I think that Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan are taking things a little bit back to basics, but I wouldn't count them. I, I And I'm not saying that in a way that's disappointing or them trying to make it more trying to make it easier to consume for audiences. I think they're just kind of taking what worked in season one and season two. And and I think maybe I, I think this I think this is going to work for season three. I think having it be in the real world and, and, you know, they could all be blown out of the water by the very end, but I, but I do like the idea of kind of stripping it down a little bit when we're in the real world. And I think that gives us a solid ground to a solid foundation to sit on because Lord knows season two is just full of like timey wimey goodness. And, you know, I think having, it's that thing of like that push and pull. It's like if, if we're, uh, yeah, get, give us that ground to stand on before it crumbles beneath us, basically, is what I'm trying to say. So, anyway, let me know if you like the season three premiere. Are you going to be watching it week to week? Are you waiting to binge? You might not even have listened to this if you're waiting to binge, I guess. But I'm going to be watching every Sunday and uploading a new episode, recapping it every Monday for the next seven weeks. And I'm very excited to go on this journey with you. So... Do the robot, everybody, and yeah, I'll see you next week. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.